Hey folks, on today's podcast, we're going to be doing a coaching call, but a little bit of announcements. We're going to be unveiling the new Infinite Banking e-course. I put this together to uh, get a lot of questions on Infinite Banking. I think a lot of you guys listen to this stuff on a podcast and you, you hear all the benefits of it. A lot of benefits, a lot of high net worth investors do it. I think every investor over a million dollars net worth should definitely have some sort of Infinite Banking policy. But it's not all sunshine and rainbows, as you guys know. I do it. So at the end of the day, I think the benefits outweigh the cons. But get yourself educated. Check out our info page at simplepassivecashflow.com slash banking to learn more there. Get free access to that e-course. Probably take you guys about a couple hours to get through. But again, that's free. Check that out there. We're also going to be doing a boot camp one of these weekends. So make sure you guys sign up there. Get on the email list by going to simplepassivecashflow.com slash club to get the invite to that free uh, weekend boot camp. And uh, some other things that I'm following other than the Delta spike in COVID cases, Peter Thiel, he screwed it up for everybody. If you guys don't know the story, but Peter Thiel basically stuffed his Roth IRA with a whole bunch of severely undervalued stocks shares, whatever you call it. But basically, he pissed off the government. And now the government is tightening a lot of these self-directed IRA and pretty much screwing everybody's even doing the regular Roth and regular IRA. We'll see what happens. Who knows, they might put a cap on the Roth. Say one thing I'm looking for is they might be putting like an appraisal requirement on all your assets in there, where they make you get the $5,000 appraisal fee which would pretty much kibosh the whole point. You're going to have to pay so much in fees. But I'm looking for this in the next RISE Act, something that was put on the halts when Trump was in office, but is coming back up. Of course, it's going to be sold as, I forget what RISE stands for, but it's, hey, let's help Americans save money by changing a bunch of the ways that the self-directed IRAs, et cetera, work. But I think it's going to screw a lot of you more sophisticated investors up. I don't do any retirement accounts. I don't know why anybody really does it if you invest in real estate. If you guys do crypto, I'd probably do it on crypto. But check out my long uh, list of reasons why at simplepassivecashflow.com slash QRP. But be on the lookout for that the infrastructure bill. I'm actually pretty bullish overall. The recession is over. The world's shortest recession of what, like two months or something like that is over. And it looks like rents are coming back up. I think the rent moratoriums, how they stay, how they are, are always offer stability. I feel bad for the small landlords. It's the small landlords who are put in a hard space once all these moratoriums are up and things start to open up. Whereas on the larger apartments, the commercial property managers have a lot more tools at their disposal to adequately protect ourselves, the landlords. Uh, be on the lookout for the RISE Act, the SECURE Act, whatever they're going to call the infrastructure bill. And then some of you smart investors out there that utilize the whole buying something under market in your IRA, swapping it over to Roth, that little chickaroo you guys like to do that I think is a little risky. I think might be definitely going away as they might put in some kind of nasty language in the RISE Act where they're saying you cannot buy things under fair market value, and which makes no sense if you're a real estate investor. You're always buying under a fair market value. But anyway, we'll try and be on the lookout together. And if you guys want some more of the insider tips, join our family office, Ohana Mastermind. Go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash journey and enjoy the show. 
This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. We are going to be doing a coaching call with a million dollar. Just we'll just call it that. Call it million dollar net worth investor, Chris. He's been. Part of the Huida Pipeline Club for quite a while. About 2016, yeah. Yeah, I, I always yeah. remember when we have calls, and I remember we were talking when I was at my past past day job. Back a while when you used ago. to live here. Yeah. So why don't you give us a little context on yourself? You're up there in Washington, where I used yep. to be. I live in the Northwest, like you said. I work in the power industry as a technician there, electrical test guy. Then we have two kids. My wife works too. We own a business also and started chugging along on real estate pretty much when I started talking to you back in 2016. Had done a lot of actual like futures trading and other types like stock investing, hoping that would set me free and learned a lot. And then my neighbor's house came up for sale and I started looking seriously into what it would take to have rental properties and dove into like bigger pockets and your website at the time or your podcast and, and just tons of podcasts and got fired up on it looking at the slower moving animal that is real estate investing. What made um, you finally get rid of like the stocks and options and all that type of stuff? But... I don't do it anymore. It was definitely time consuming and it was really, it's so it just seems so unpredictable just trying to chuckle. I was doing option selling and trying to do that monthly income model. And it just never really seemed to, it was just so volatile and just not a lot of fun trying to sleep and doing that thing. I just ended up really, I, the fire got lit by this house that was right by me here, which I did not buy, but it got the fire lit and I just started digging and ended up I got into a turnkey, if you want to chat about that for a Why did you not end up buying that rental nearby? The whole bigger pockets land and, and the financial calculators that you get, the 1% rule is really why I did it. And honestly, it would have been a good deal for us just because of speculation and the houses have gone crazy around us, but you don't know. And so that's the very first thing you learn, you know, go for cash flow. It would have been a break even deal for us as far as the rents, barely making it, making no, ca- no cash flow, but it would have been a... a a great speculation as far as yeah. appreciation. And you don't know that. And no one tells you to do that. People invest that way, right? Buy low, so high, go on appreciation. Yeah. If you're bleeding cash a little bit every month, most people, that's how they invest. I guess I got talked out of it just because I'd done the speculation thing with the stock trading and stuff. And so I wasn't really interested in speculating anymore. I was interested in cash flow, And so I ended up not pulling the trigger on that deal. And then really did a ton of just, there's a ton of podcasts on turnkey investing and retail turnkey thing. And I just, I ended up all over looking at tons of different stuff and and really I just pulled the trigger on on something after a while. I was like, I'm just going to do this. It seemed like a huge deal at the time. It's really wasn't now in hindsight, if you have a good operator, even though you're paying retail, it still works. It still makes money every month. So I've been in that for four years now and it's just been, you know, chugging along. For better or worse, there's been nothing to do. That's where I'm at that. But I, I was not tempted to buy anymore. There was a fire lit <laughs> by pretty quickly by thinking about multifamily and mobile home parks in particular. And I went down that path. That's been a two-year journey of being involved in that. Let's catch people up on where we are in the scorecard here. Because this is what all really matters is what your net worth is. Your net worth is just shy under a million dollars. Just call it that on a good day. You've been pretty good with your money, right? Like most people in our group compiled a bunch of assets. 
have your liabilities in order. Now let's take a snapshot of like your monthly velocity. You make a pretty good salary, uh, $9,000 a month. You've got some uh, real estate income. What the important thing here is your net cash flow, $3,600 a month. So you're able to put away and save maybe forty grand a year. Is that about right? Is yeah, I would say or? that would probably be about right. That'd be probably max right now, depending on this has nothing to do with the business that we own right now, what you're seeing here. I would say 40 is a good number right now. We work with hardworking professionals looking to opt out of investments for the clueless. I mean, mainstream investing. We work with people we have a direct relationship while enjoying higher returns and a quicker path to financial freedom. I personally move my endorsement from turnkey rentals to syndications as my net worth has grown. However, the downside of many of these deals is that you need at least $50,000 to invest, and the frequency of deals that meet my criteria is sporadic. Check out my article at simplepassivecashflow.com slash OFUND and learn how I always have cash on hand by using the American Home Preservation Fund as part of this one-two punch to be ready for a great deal while still making a double-digit return. I have been investing in AHP since 2016. AHP is a crowdfunding solution to the mortgage crisis in America, where collectively the fund and investors like you pull their money together and get great bulk discounts on distressed mortgages. It's a business model that I think gets stronger should a bump in the economy come, because this is where there will be even more distressed inventory for AHP to purchase. The American Home Preservation Fund aims to keep people in their homes so you can make a 10% return while making a positive social impact. Invest in as little as $100 by going to ahpservicing.com slash investors. And if you want the free Burn Zone book and learn about George Newberry's story, please send me an email at lane at simplepassacashflow.com. I like to buy stuff. Well, that's a liability. That's awesome. You're not making a huge salary like some of these other guys, but you're definitely in the average of where people are saving. Most guys are between thirty dollars to $50,000 a year. And at that point, you're moving at a pretty good clip. You're not buying a syndication or two every year or, or two syndications or more or three houses every year, but you're steadily making progress. And at this rate, you'd probably be a lot different financial situation. I don't know if you're going to be financially free in five years, but you're getting, definitely getting there, probably going to be there in like under 10. It all matters on your, your living expenses. And I know the picture here, I can just guess from seeing so many financial profiles like this. Like, I'm sure you could tighten the belt a little bit, but you're yeah. seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and you're going to coast in there. You don't need to live in ramen noodles. No, we don't. <laughs> we we have some perspective on that for sure. Yeah. You know, we're going to live a little bit, but it's like just, right. It's as you lay out the plan, the tightening may occur or may not. When we talked a long time ago, you had, you were doing the turnkey stuff. I think that's what connected us in the universe. And then you went off the simple passive cash flow registrar. You became more of a do it yourselfer kind of guy. Tell us how that little experiment went. What did you go on by? What did you do? I wandered up. I got very interested in the mobile home park thing. And it's why I got interested in it because when you look at mobile home parks, what's interesting about them is that they can be passive in some respects. If the mobile home park is all 
tenant-owned homes. That is a really cool model where the person that lives there owns their own home. They just collect, you rent the dirt to them and you just maintain the property. That's not the park that we bought. We definitely saw the lure of the the higher rents from owning homes. So we bought a park. So I have a partner on it. It's just two of us. We bought a park that that has 25-ish tenant, or I'm sorry, we own 25 of the homes. It's a lot of work as far as just keeping people in. It's a low-income housing community is what it is. I've learned a ton about it. I definitely get that tenants own their own homes. I don't even know their names, barely. I say that. It's like, they're really super easy. They just do their thing, take care of their house. They pay me rent every month. You run into problems at a mobile home park when you're allowing people to collect rent and they don't own the house and they trash it. You may have said this before, but it's like pig pen or something. It gets, they go crazy. And so you get to rehab or do a rent to own handyman special kind of stuff, doing a lot of that stuff every pretty much every couple months with turnover. But the other thing I've learned is that low-income housing is high demand and we never have an issue with vacancy. But you'll have vacancy just because you're turning one over, just cleaning it up. But really, it is pretty incredible. I've seen the whole thing and I do realize that I'd prefer to be more of a passive investor at this point in my life. It's something you're always thinking about when it's yours and you're the operator, you're everything when you're communicating with the manager and and doing all that. That's that story. The, the partner you went into, was he more sophisticated? Did he have operator experience with the stuff? No, we were both just interested in doing it. Had done like the kind of a academy mobile home park boot camp stuff. Exactly. Just pretty much just fired up newbies and dove in. And the person we bought it from was super helpful. That was probably the easy part, honestly. We had that person helping us. And they had tons of properties um, in that area. They just held our hand on it and we got going that way. And uh, yeah, that's the story. I will say like that the mobile home park education out there, there's only one group that does it, but they actually do a pretty good job of actually teaching it to you. It's a shame that, yeah, there's a plethora of multifamily gurus teaching it, but they only teach how to buy the properties. None of them actually teach you how to operate it because a lot of them have operated the damn thing or own rental or own multifamily in reality. But I think Frank and Dave do a pretty good job. And yeah, you yeah, get a lot of operation stuff and they're available to you. And it's it was good. I felt like yeah. it showed up with stuff. You just, I yeah, it was like the turnkey thing. It was like once it was super scary and then we did it. With the mobile home park too, it was like now we're in it however many thousands of miles away doing it. Both of you guys are remote. It's remote. And we spent a lot of time on the phone. The business exists inside my phone. <laughs> did you guys know, know each other or just happened to meet up randomly? And Yeah, meet up randomly. Yep. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it just powered on a bit. So two years in now, over two years of, of doing it, and we're thankful for our manager. And because uh, it's been a crazy year, we're really no desire to travel there right now. And just we've just been letting it chug along best as we can, given everything going on and still demand as far as that goes. So how many times did you visit that property? The two once. I've only ever been there once. The week right. I bought it. And I could say, isn't that crazy? And, uh, and we have, we got a good manager. She managed a ton of the properties of, or three or four of the guys' properties that, uh, that we bought it from. Said a regular human. Uh, we learned yeah. our lesson actually right off the bat, hiring somebody that was living there in the park. That was, you know, one of the, the low income tenants. It was a lot of drama that we pretty quickly realized was a mistake. That's what's hard with mobile home parks is that there's not that infrastructure. There's not a plethora of different third-party property managers in that that asset class. So you guys, the two of you guys would have had to gone around and interviewed specific people and trained them how to do it, which is hard if y'all yeah, hadn't done it. Before. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's, uh, you know, we're lured in by the 
I don't know, by the money and, and doing it was like, it really, it seemed great. And it, it's been fine. It's a learning experience, but it's not, it's pretty time consuming. And for where I'm at in my life, it's just not the right time. Like I say, it, it is for sale. We're trying to move on from that and, and do some other stuff passively. Okay. How much money do you guys have tied up in it? You got uh, leverage. I have about 225 tied up into it for me. And I'm hoping to yeah chat with you about deploying that. You didn't really make money on this. This just got your original down payment back out. We're not, it's under contract to sell. We'll see how in the end we should make some money when it's all done. I'm not going to say what that is until it's all done. We, we'll can, we need to speculate on it now. We're talking taxes. We need to know. Yeah, I mean, it's if, 50 grand or something like that. Uh, it'd be more like about 70 grand. Okay. Is what okay. it would be. But I can work with that. That's not much. And then yeah, maybe you okay. took some the depreciation too throughout the couple yeah, of years. To, I don't know, maybe 80 grand capital gain plus depreciation recapture, you're thinking? I think so. You'd have to you'd have to speculate on that a little bit. Okay. I, I'd have to look back through that. Okay. A lot of syndications, you're going to get 50 to 70% of what you put in as passive losses to offset that right away. We can talk about that in a little bit, but the like the turnkey in Memphis, how's that guy going? It's just smooth. It's funny. It's super smooth. We had the glitch this year with COVID self, person lost her job. It was like a half payment one month and then I got everything back the next month. It's been super smooth. So far, I've had a couple of evictions. It's been, that's a big operator. I've been tempted to sell, but I'm like, I don't know why I would deal with it. Just selling it. I don't know. I guess I could do it. It's like, I've only had it for four years. So I've just been paying interest or it's the wrong end of the amortization table. I wouldn't sell it until you tapped out on the pullable capital and then okay. look to sell it. There's not going to be a lot of money there. Yeah. And if it's work, made. if you got a good tenant, that's gold, right? Like a good tenant is a big thing, but the, the search to get there is a bumpy cost right. of the road to get there. Let's put that on this tab right here. There's like a deployment plan, but you can put on here what you're going to sell to get funds and how you're going to deploy it. That's how to use this tab. Okay. But I would say... Do you have any other li liquid cash that you want to invest or as we start to transition more into what's the deployment plan now? Actually, the deployment plan is going to be the funds from the mobile home park right now. I have cash sitting around that I'm wondering if I should, this 45000 or ish cash that comes back in, that's really just the money coming back in from my investments. I could sit on that or not. I, it's, I'm trying to decide if I should put that like in an AHP type deal and, and I just don't know what, how liquid they are. And probably get so, the money back out in a couple months, two, three months. And, the um, other, the other thing is the, there's always the loan from my, my 401k. You can always do the 50,000 from that pretty quickly too, probably faster than, than getting that money at AHP too. I mean, you are running a little fat here on liquidity. You definitely don't. I don't think you need that much, maybe 20 or 30 grand, but. You know, I, th I think that's where a lot of conventional financial advice is. You need X amount of expenses. So you don't really need that if you are able to get it from a credit card line or take it from your Roth IRA, your IRA. You, know. you got to get, get your money in the game. You're not $2 million, $3 million above your No, I definitely Yeah, I'd like to get it moving. Uh, actually, a question I had though for you, and I think as far as deployment, I was thinking about selling the note. The, there's two notes up there. Just up the page a little bit. One of those is an is an, a self directed IRA. It's fine. But the thirty thousand dollar note originally now it's twenty five thousand in my name coming back to me. It seems like it might be better off deploying that into a syndication or something instead of just income. It's it's that's taxed like regular income. Yeah. It seems like a better option to move it out of there, sell that, and uh, move on and put it into a syndication. Um, yeah, if you're only making 9%, HP yeah. does everything for you and it's both of my ordinary income. 
not saying you would go that one specifically. I would say, correct me if I'm wrong here, but invest the mobile home park money, 200000 there, and then either the note or are you going to you're gonna touch any of this the stock stuff or are you going to keep that where it's at? Right now, I'd probably, I'll probably leave that where it is. Other than I may, I have the ability to pull that $50,000 loan off my 401k. Yeah, where... Seemingly unrelated question, but this ties in. What is your adjusted gross income around as a household? Uh, 125. Okay. You guys don't pay too much taxes. Right? You guys are well no. under the 300 threshold. I this mean, year will be quite a bit different. More. We bought a business last year that's that has it's got quite a bit of income. We're trying to get our, all of our books handled right now. I can't give you an exact number. It won't be crazy high. But it might. It'll still be under two hundred next year. Will the business do the same thing? We're going to try to make sure it does. Uh, we have plenty of things uh, we can buy. We'll keep it down. We're pouring money into infrastructure right now. We we have enough expenses. I think that probably okay to, to zero. Camp. Yeah, to zero that income out, and that's the goal yeah. of the business, right? On taxes. Okay, I'll leave this alone. You can incorporate it in as you feel comfortable with. I would think since you're not in a high tax bracket, even with the business, to take it out slowly would be the, the thing to do. If you've heard me multiple times, I don't like these type of retirement plans because sure. you'd rather pay the taxes now, taxes going up, tax, your yeah. tax bracket is lower now, and then you don't get the passive losses to play that game from this stuff. But did you take the CARES Act? Oh, yeah, that's pay? why it's... Okay. You don't have to decide now, but I would say maybe think about just leaking out 20 to 50 or 100 grand every year. Through like a 72T thing or, or how, how would you say doing that? No, just cash, cash it. it out. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But I'll just let that stew for yeah. you right Wait, now. We'll see. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That'd be like a chat with the tax guy. No, just it's not a tax for the tax guy. It's all right here. You don't even talk to a tax guy tell you about it's a it's which way do you want to steer the ship man yeah the no, tax guy like the tax guy is down in like the in the engine room telling you if you what happens when you do it i'm telling you what's gonna happen we all know just know where your tax bracket is basically and how much of a hit you're gonna take and then just wait out from there is what you're saying but it's more of a strategy thing right you need to do the math on all right if you take it out and you start investing in cash what will the impl- implications be will you Will you be making more money there? What kind of losses will you be getting? Will there be cost segregations done? That's what you need. That's your job. That is not the job of your CPA right. tax person. Right. It's a big thing. It's your number one expense in life. Gotta so, gotta know what that is. That's not the right. job of your tax guy. That's unfair for them to right. No, I've you. definitely heard you say that before. It's getting up to speed on that stuff is is really a goal this year, just to be dialed in. Have good questions asked. Yeah, it's pretty simple. I would say come to the bubble or get around the other people in our tribe. Those mm-hmm. you're not gonna get it from yeah, if you want to pay somebody to tell you how to do it, I think that's costly. And you guys can't afford having office consultant under five million dollars net worth. But you're right. gonna have to get this from your peer group of other high net worth accredited investors, what they're doing. Okay. So Highly recommend that. And just getting around other high network people is a big thing. And yeah, not on the bigger pockets, but that's for <laughs> sure. So I would think about that, maybe taking out maybe 50 or 100 every year and put it to investments. But you got a backlog. You got the mobile home park things first. Right. So ideally with the mobile home park thing, the way it's going to work is you sell it in the beginning of the year. So you have the entire year the build up your passive losses and call up. Do you know how much passive losses you currently have just built up? I don't know. Uh, go look at your form. 
think it's 4825. No, it's not. I don't know. I don't know. It's 48 something. Okay. But it it is a form that has all your passive losses on it, your federal depreciation schedules. Okay. I would ask your CPA for that. Right. If they don't okay. give it to you or they screw around with you, they're playing games. Because this is a big game that CPAs play. They don't like to give it to you because now they know you're shopping for a new CPA. And that form has a lot of built-in formulas and calculations okay. in the spreadsheet. But that you you might have twenty or $30,000 of built-up losses, suspended passive losses to offset that mobile home park sale. So again, I think you said you're looking at maybe an $80,000 capital gain plus depreciation recapture. So if you already had $30,000 suspended losses, now we're only looking at $50,000 difference. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So if you went into a normal syndication that does 70%, 80% leverage and does a cost seg and 50 cents of every dollar is put back as bonus appreciation year one, you'd knock that out with a $100,000 investment. Okay. But so that's how you, that would okay. probably knock out your, what you're going to get on that mobile home park. Things move su- super slowly, right? As you've seen, build right. a mobile home park, it's probably going to be quarter two when you actually sell it. But then you have to go in into another deal before the end of 2021 to kind of book that to offset it. Right? Yeah. And in, in, in your opinion, given where I'm at, would you deploy, do, do that in multiple chunks into different deals if they're available? $100,000 chunks? 5% rule, right? I don't want you to put more than $150,000 into any one deal. You, you uh, didn't follow that rule on the mobile home park. No, I did not. Yeah. <laughs> you went 20% of all in. And probably back then, your net worth wasn't as high. So yeah, yeah. That, was a, that was breaking a cardinal sin, my friend. But uh, hey, yeah. it's real estate. and It works yeah. out well most of the time. Right? Yeah. yeah, it's true. It's a forgiving asset class. Slow moving and forgiving, yes. Deploying into multiple things this year. That would be hopefully if everything, hopefully deals are available and be able to get that deployed. It's just uh, like when I year. sold my, in 2018 or 17, I sold seven or eight rentals for a capital gain of $200,000. But I had gotten to deals and I had several hundred thousand dollars of passive losses built up. Okay. I used that to offset it. So it's essentially doing the same thing here for you. Okay. Get that done. Then worry about the retirement funds. That's okay. That's definitely what I'm thinking. I don't want to free stuff up. And like I say, I have the charismatic distribution, which isn't a huge, because you can chop that up into three pieces. So that's not going to add much to our bottom line this yeah. year. I tell it to you now because you got to decide in the next few months, whether you're going to really do this crazy idea that Lane's talking about. You're going to take out 30 to 50 grand every year or 30 to 100 grand every year for the next mm-hmm. three to five years. It's a slow right. thing. This note that's not in your retirement funds, I would unload that as you can. Just in the same style as unloading the the turnkey, like maybe just throw the turnkey on rooftop. They allow you to list it with a tenant in place. So oh, okay. Get, okay. You're not obliged to sell it. You're still making cash flow on it. And then same thing like this note, you can sell it while you're collecting payments at the right price. What I would recommend, you, you don't want to really sell this in the next few months, but just put yeah, it up anyway. Yeah. Just put it up at a make me move price and see what happens. You get the turnkey or the uh, note, you mean? Both of them. Okay. I'll have to look into that. And, and then, yeah. yeah so maybe there, squeeze down the liquidity. I don't think you need as much. Yeah. I can definitely deploy that. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I don't know. If you want a little bit of a cash flow stream, Maybe throw 20 grand in HP or something like that before the their current fund goes away. Pretty straightforward, I think. Yeah, there's not a ton of moving parts right now. Yeah, it's just, yeah, we're waiting on, on a kind of a 
load of capital to come in and then nothing crazy to do right now, I don't think, unless I get that and move forward with that. Your highest and best use is at your day job. Don't get fired. I don't know what all the business is, but is the business a, a capital intensive business? You need money to do marketing or? Not at all. Nope. It's a local service business and we bought it. It was already cash flowing on our finance deals. There's not a lot to it. It's not capital intensive at all. We make money. If anything, it's just time. It's time. That's all it is. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It's learning how to, we're, we're going to build it up to turn it into an asset to try to possibly sell that too at some point here. We're learning the ropes of that yeah. business now too. I guess we're glad cool. for it. Mobile home park now, service business, <laughs> just learning. Yeah. That's, you guys are in a good spot. You got a day job that's probably low stress, makes pretty Very good much. money. And yeah. You recognize that you can not put your heart and soul into it and put it somewhere else and make money there. And, and that's your, your highest and best use to put your overflow time into the business. I think the only thing for you guys is maybe this is maybe years down the road, but I don't know that service-based business, you can turn it into some kind of passive cash flow stream as opposed to right now it's ordinary, right? It's a business. Yeah. But maybe yeah. you, when you reposition it, you stabilize it, you sell it off to somebody, but you retain the investor rights. You find some young whippersnapper who wants That's, to trade his time yeah. for money and you just... Goal. You, maybe you're still working in it. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you change your compensation from an ordinary uh, income business to more of a K1 passive stream. So that's a conversation you could have with your CPA. But follow me here. There. Yeah, you're yeah. the one having steering this conversation. They're mm-hmm. not going to tell you, oh, Chris, we should turn this into passive income so we can take your passive losses that you have a glut of and offset that. They're not going to come up with that stuff. Yeah. That's not their job. Their job is not to transform your life. Okay. Yeah, I definitely, I need to get more education around that and just to know the right question to ask my guy at this point. That's certainly a goal this year. I don't know if that's possible in your business. We have some doctors, they own a medical clinic and that's how they do it. So they, they change the color of money from ordinary to passive. So now they're able to use the passive losses to offset their income. Okay. And they don't need to be real estate professionals to do that. Okay. Yeah. That's the goal is to, is that you nailed it. Yeah. Finding that young whippersnapper and all that to get them. It would be a good, it's not a high tech job. And and who cares if you're getting paid top dollar? I don't know what your salary from that, but like maybe you're making a hundred grand a year from that business. Who cares if it's 50 or 60,000 young whippersnapper doesn't get the game. Doesn't get the big picture. You're getting paid in the passive income color, which you can drive down to zero, which your other stuff going on. Yep. That's the goal. We're just building it right now. It's it's slightly more time consuming. Does your, where your guys AGI is getting real estate professional status, I don't think is a big deal. You don't really need it. That's more for the guys above 300,000 a year. Does your spouse work? She runs the business. She's the sole owner. Okay. We could make you sole owner and free her up. If you made a lot more money at your day job, if some people are listening, that would be a move that we'd look into but from where you're at the way you guys are doing it is optimal i think okay it's where we are now we're uh, learning as we go and seeing what works best for us and this is best right now it sounds Uh, like you might need a new cpa we're in the hunt for that right now actually there's a section in the e-course currently that has how do you interview a new cpa okay but i would ask them in your situation hey i have this business can you tell me about changing this money from ordinary income to passive income and how that would happen if I were able to do this 
how would the passive loss, would I be able to use my passive loss to offset my passive income for my business? That's the main point of doing that is to offset the passive losses from your investments. Is, it, is that yeah. what you're saying? Yeah, you want to ask in that, at least that's my style, like how you ask and not a stump the chump question, oh, tell me about land conservation <laughs> easements, right? Like you want to have a dialogue with them and just feel them sure. out and see if they, you can work with them. If I have a lot of passive losses, how can I use them? Mm-hmm. They're like, no, you can't do that. That's a business, you can't do that. Then you're not working with somebody who's open-minded. Who's creative. Maybe they just don't have the experience. Okay. I think that's one way you can ask. That's at least my style. In our mastermind, we have people do it different ways to vet the, the CPA, but that's my style. It's like I go in there. How can I use the passive losses to offset this income right here? They're like, oh, you can't do it. That's not somebody you want to work with. Okay. We want somebody who's, oh, okay, so this is ordinary income and you can't offset it with passive income. It's your risk professional. Okay. We were able to change it from ordinary to passive, right? Like your notes, for example, that's ordinary. Yeah. Yep. So to have that intellectual conversation with your CPA is important. And that's maybe you have to get up to that level yourself too. I definitely need to get there, but it's, yeah. I feel I think, like I can have a conversation with them. I think that's what's hard for a lot of CPAs. Like most of their people coming through the door are totally clueless on this stuff. They're like, oh my goodness, another sucker. You're only going to have to do 401ks or self-directed Roths. Sorry, buddy. That's all you got. Right. They, they know you got you don't have anything else cooking, just like the average American out there. Right. Yeah. I've been on the hunt really for somebody for a while that's at least going to ask me good questions too. And I'm willing to pay for it for a while for sure. We're going to figure that out this year. Cool, Chris. I appreciate you doing this. I think a lot of people followed your little journey out to the mobile phone park. (laughs) Yeah, Um, I'm glad to chat with anybody about that. There's a lot of stories. But but yeah, I guess if you guys haven't, please check out the website on join our clubs, fullpassacashflow.com slash club. And we'll see you guys next time. This website offers very general information concerning real estate for investment purposes. Every investor situation is unique. Always seek the services of licensed third-party appraisers and inspectors to verify the value and condition of any property you intend to purchase. Use the services of professional title and escrow companies and licensed tax, investment, and or legal advisor before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed as in every investment there is risk. The content found here is just my opinion and things change and I reserve the right to change my mind. Above all else, do your own analysis and think for yourself because in the end, you are the only person who is going to look out for your best interests.